Welcome everyone to this episode of the For Greater Knowledge podcast. My name is Allison Lehman. I am the National Vice President for Communication and Recognition, and I'm a life member of the Ada Gamma chapter at Boston University. And for this episode, I'm joined with a very special co-host, Miss Erica Pope. Erica, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Erica Pope, and I am currently serving as the 39th National President for Tau Beta Sigma. I am a life member of the Theta Theta chapter from Henderson State University. And for this episode, we are going to be joined with a group of exceptional leaders who really guided the organization through the 75th anniversary and facilitated our celebration in Grand Rapids this past July. As you will see, this was a dynamic group of individuals who came together to bring to life our 75th anniversary. And as this episode goes along, you're actually gonna get a chance to see how each of their skill sets, how each of their passion for the history of our organization and where we hope that we're gonna go in the future is going to be demonstrated in the work that they put in for the last two years trying to bring this event together. And um, so anywhere from, you know, building the committees and year-long celebration and 75th anniversary celebration like the day of um, history displays and reflections. I cannot tell you how exciting it was to kind of sit and watch this group of individuals put all of the pieces into place and come up with the magic that happened during our 75th brunch at the end of National Convention. So let's jump right into the episode. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to our Zoom call this evening. Um, I'm really excited to have this group of leaders with us for the podcast today to talk about our 75th anniversary and that celebration that we all joined in on back in July in Grand Rapids. Um, so for us to get started, I wanted to give an opportunity for each of you to introduce yourselves. So of course, to share your name, your chapter, your previous or current titles, and then what your involvement was with the 75th celebration. So Adrian, why don't you kick us off? Hi everyone, my name is Adrian Rawl and I am the immediate past national president for Tau Beta Sigma serving from 2019 through 2021. I'm a life member of the Theta Mu chapter at the University of Nebraska at Kearney. Hi, I'm Carolyn McCambridge. I served as the chairperson for the board of trustees for the 2019-2021 biennium and so was the board chairperson during the 75th anniversary, and I am from the Alpha Zizai chapter at Bowling Green State University. Hi, everyone. I'm Jen Benedetto. I am a life member of the Delta Epsilon chapter at Miami University in Ohio, and I was the chair of the 75th anniversary celebration committee. Hi, I'm Lisa Croston, and I'm the national events coordinator for uh, the national headquarters of Kappa Kappa Psi and Tau Beta Sigma, as well as your national historian. So I served on the history committee and a couple other committees and just did a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> Hello, my name is Siobhan Wilkes. I was the 2019-2021 national vice president for special projects. I am a life member of the Beta Zeta chapter at Stephen F. Austin State University and 
In regards to the 75th anniversary, I served as the national council designee for the history uh, committee, subcommittee for the 75th committee. I'm Emily Donovan. I am a life member of the Eta Gamma chapter at Boston University, and I currently serve as the chair of the History and Archives Committee. And uh, with the 75th, I had the pleasure to serve as the chair for the History Subcommittee. I'm Teresa Powell. I'm a life member of the Alpha Delta chapter at Ohio University, and I had the honor of serving as the chair of the Celebration Subcommittee for the 75th anniversary. All right, and this is just a taste of all of the people who came together to make the celebration happen, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but I wanted to take a moment just to thank all of you for your work as an attendee at the celebration. It really was a special afternoon to be able to celebrate our past and then also to think really through the interactive history displays about what our future could look like. So thank you to every single one of you. But now we'll jump in um, and for our listeners we're going to have just a regular conversation and there's going to be topics where each person will be able to have a feature but you might hear other voices pop in throughout the conversation so listen in for all the different voices that you might hear and i wanted to start us off with an overview of what the vision for the celebration was and for that i definitely want to rely on adrian and carolyn to guide that discussion so who wants to jump in first adrian go for it okay um, I think the vision for the 75th celebration came from a wide variety of conversations. In the beginning, we were, we were trying to find our footing, trying to figure out what made the most sense overall. Um, so the idea of, of the brunch kind of came from a lot of conversations from the National Council, the Board of Trustees, the Tabeda Sigma Alumni Association, our headquarters staff about what makes sense, what's feasible, what's classy, what can showcase our history and our future, and how can we tie it all together in a way that is affordable and accessible to our students and our alumni. So I think that was the starting point for the actual brunch celebration. And, and theme-wise, coming out of those conversations, we know there's a lot of history that many of our students and even alumni didn't know about. And um, our history committee and, and Lisa with her job as historian has been doing a great job researching different avenues of our organization that we wanted to share. And so the focus for our, for our 75th really became looking back at our past 75 years, but also what the future of that looks like. And that sort of started to become a very guiding theme as we were starting to put some plans in place. I actually remember sitting down with Emily and Siobhan to talk about all of the history themes and how to kind of push together things into, into subgroups and kind of make pillars of all these different ideas that we had, some thematic pillars. And we all kind of came to this conclusion together that um, foundations made sense to really talk about our, our past, our beginnings, WAVA, um, all, of the, all of the founders at the Alpha chapter, and then to move on to fortitude, times in history where we have had struggles, but we've made it through because we were going through a lot of struggles last biennium with the pandemic. Um, 
then moving on to achievements because we've had a lot of wonderful things happen in Tau Beta Sigma and as a result of Tau Beta Sigma. And finally, legacy. What do we want to see moving forward? What is our legacy moving forward? And so it was, a, again, a very big collaboration of minds. And it wasn't even just the three of us. It was them talking with History and Archives, me talking with the National Council and the board, and it all just kind of meshing together into one cohesive unit. And I think something that was important too, this is Jen with the vision of the 75th is that this is a 75th anniversary. I mean, you know, it's not a centennial. I mean, the 75th is a big, big milestone, but you know, we also have to be very forward thinking as well. And, you know, we have had a wonderful, amazing past and we have overcome so much and, and so many struggles, but the current students also want to think about how they're going to continue to go forward and how we're going to reach that centennial. So making sure that we're really speaking to that voice of like, not just what we did in the past, but how can we continue to look forward and think ahead to what our students and our young alumni are going to be focusing on and celebrating in 25 years as well. I think that was a very key focus for our 75th celebrations as well. I think that each of those pillars that Adrian talked about, I think that they really came across in the different aspects of the celebration. So from vision to fruition, it really worked out well. Um, and Jen, since you were just chiming in, I wanted to talk a bit more now about how the committee was built, how maybe you were approached to be the chair of this committee, and then what the different phases or groupings looked like within the, the overall committee. Sure. So... I also not only had the honor to chair the 75th anniversary, but I was a part of the Kappa Kappa Psi Centennial Committee. And it was just a really good opportunity to get my feet wet and understand how these types of celebration committees work. And you take some good things from the Centennial celebration, but you also take some learnings as well. And one of the things that I really observed on the KK Psi Centennial Committee was that it was a it was a lean group of people. I mean, I think we had maybe 10 to 15 people total. And it was kind of a bunch of hands in the pie, if you will. So when we needed to build a website, it's like, okay, who's got the talent to build a website? Or when we needed to plan an event, okay, who's got the talent to build an event? And one of the things I took from that is let's kind of look at the different facets of an anniversary celebration, the communication, the district conventions the Saturday brunch that we that we had, um, the merchandise. And rather than trying to split it amongst 10 to 12 people, let's bring in people that have those talents and instead form subcommittees. So uh, prior to, the, our work really started in like 20, late 2019 with Kathy Godwin and Jonathan Markowski and just really looking at brothers and sisters across the nation. And because I, I was starting to get re-familiar with who was involved in the sorority, who had different talents, different roles. So a lot of the recommendations came from Jonathan and from Kathy. The other thing though to keep in mind too is, is that we wanted to make sure we were trying to build a committee that was representative of all the voices in our organization. So we wanted to make sure we had male members. We wanted to make sure that we had members from um, diverse chapters and diverse backgrounds. So we really kind of tried to build 
um, some some diversity in the committee as well, and both in terms of of all the facets of the sorority. And then finally, the other thing we did too was a couple of the communities we actually invited those who were initiated as brothers, um, specifically to our district subcommittee, district convention subcommittee group. You know, we wanted to make sure that we had a governor on there because we know that the work that we do at district conventions is not just on behalf of the sorority, it's on behalf of the fraternity as well. So the group may have seemed like a larger group, but it was because, you know, this is a, an opportunity to volunteer and we wanted to give a lot of opportunity to different voices. And we wanted to make sure that there was a good division of work going on amongst the subcommittees as well. And then I didn't know if Adrian or Carolyn, you wanted to jump in with anything else about kind of building the team overall. I think Jen covered everything. It really from start to finish, it's exactly how she said. We we did everything that she said, yeah. <laughs> you know what though, Adrian, I think something that would be interesting, you know, to maybe talk to is just, I mean, I think you made some comments about footings along the way. And I think there was a point where we said, hey, time out, like let's assign national officers to the various work. I don't know if you want to maybe touch on that too. Sure. So we did realize, and I think that this is something that our members who plan the 100th, the centennial can take away from as a learning experience from us is originally we didn't um, assign our national council members to any of the committees, but the committee work very much fell into some natural national council positions. And so partway through Jen's right, we did kind of a timeout and we asked all of our national officers to jump into some of those committee meetings, not to lead them, not to, you know, persuade them to be the national council way of doing everything, but to kind of have a have a more cohesive handoff of tasks because our committees, um, a lot of times were building ideas and content, but the national council needed to be the ones to carry things out. So um, the communication committee is a really easy example of that because they built up all of the communications and then worked with Leslie Garten, who is our 2019-2021 BPCR on getting that information out in an appropriate manner. Um, Similarly, Siobhan jumped in with the history and archives pieces, as she mentioned, that was her role in, in the 75th celebration. Um, and Erica Pope, who was our 2019-2021 BPCM, is a media guru. And so she jumped onto the multimedia committee because it fit her strengths and she was able to help them navigate that. So yeah, that's a good point, Jen. And that guidance in the end just turned out to be super invaluable, just having that background and that perspective, you know, and that guidance from our from our national leadership team was 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 great as we continue to move through our work. And I think that model is something that I know Emily and I have talked about this on the side a lot that we want chapters to also take on use people's strengths as individuals, but also give everyone the opportunity who's interested and able to participate, to gain experience, to develop that leadership and contribute to the whole. I was going to chime in like one thing that I've seen in, you know, the past few years being in national leadership is that we're really leaning into getting subject matter experts to lead. Um, and I think that the way that we set up the committee was, um, was definitely in that same track of mind that we've been trying to have, um, you know, with all of our national committees. And like you were just saying, you know, chapters having students in their chapter who are subject matter experts on social media or recruitment or whatever it is um, so that they can have that committee move forward like extremely strongly. Um, 
which is cool. I think, I think it all worked out for us. All right, now let's jump into kind of the, the meat and potatoes of the celebration. So Jen, you had mentioned it earlier that there was also a district convention celebration component. Um, and so there's a few of you, I think, that worked on different aspects of that. So um, for Carolyn, Lisa, Adrian, anyone want to talk about what those celebrations kind of looked like um, for those who may not have been in attendance or for those who just wish to reminisce on the, the Zoom celebrations? Well, that was so long ago. What did we do? We, well, you know, because of going Zoom, a lot of things had to be changed. <laughs> so I think Carolyn and Adrian and the committees had a greater high hopes of doing things. But one of the most important things they wanted was cake. <laughs> so there was a cake <laughs> at every convention, even though the president got the cake. <laughs> but uh, um we did do some a lot of online stuff. Robert did some great graphics so that people could have Zoom backgrounds and um, different things with uh, the logo and with the garden. And uh, we made a cute little wondering Weva <laughs> so we could take Weva. Everybody could take Weva on their adventures. And where is Weva? We have there's a hashtag or website that you could have gone and saw that. We did put birthday party decorations up so you could wear a crown or make fun signs or there was actually a chance that everybody had built into the district convention where you could do a celebration. And so there was specific time for the celebration. So there was the Founders Day ceremony. Um, there was the eating the cake. There was um, there was a past district officers panel at every convention, and those were awesome. Um, the ones that I got to see, so uh, brought in some past people there. We just tried to make it as personable as we could, yeah. being everybody staring at a computer screen, which you know was not what any of us had wanted or hoped for, of course. But I think that it was still memorable. I think each district president felt you know, special getting their own personal little cake um, and getting to cut that cake and kick off the celebration, um, even though it wasn't all together in person. Um, the playlists, I think, were a hit because everybody could kind of sit back, relax, have their, we encouraged everybody to have their own dessert so that there was time to eat together and still celebrate together and listen to music. Um, there was a, a game too, right? There was, there was a game. Oh, the Kahoot. Yeah. Yeah, there the Kahoot. A Kahoot. Yeah, and so they could play the game if they wanted to and um, and earn prizes. So, yeah. And we had a couple of stars to make a cake. And, uh, yeah, Allison was there and uh, Carrie. Carrie Webster, yeah. The cake in a mug so that everybody can make a cake for, uh, make their own cake to come celebrate with. <laughs> I still think that that 75th cake I made, like the cake pop style, is the tastiest cake I've ever eaten. So like, thank you, Tommy to Sigma, for teaching me the best cake ever. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I think that the best thing about having observed a few of the district events was that it was just fun. Like it's, it's a celebration, so make it fun. And we would have had fun in person, but I loved that the people who worked on the district convention celebrations made it fun for everybody first and foremost, and a way to smile when I think we all really needed to smile. So it was, I, I enjoyed all the district conventions that I got to attend virtually. 
Well, and I also think too, you know, we don't do a lot of like reflecting back or having past officers in at our district conventions. And I mean, I think one of the things that was just so important to hear is, you know, even if you were an officer in the 80s or the 90s, I mean, you know, things have obviously changed, but there's just that common tie of sisterhood and that common tie of, you know, we've had issues and here's how we've overcome it. Or, you know, I was a district officer 20 years ago, and this is how I'm able to apply it into my professional life. I mean, it just really, I think, helps to show our students the applicability of the sorority and the things that you learn in those three to four years as an active member, how you can carry that in throughout the rest of your life as well. And I just thought that the past district officer panels were just were such a wonderful reflection and just so inspiring to, to, to show our active members, you know, how important this organization can be, you know, for the rest of your life. I was just going to say, the other thing I loved about those panels is it brought in folks that haven't been active in a handful of years. And so it introduced our members to, to alumni who had been prominent back when they were very active. Um, and we're just so excited to come back into the fold and just introduce people to new faces. Um, and, and, like Jen said, they made it very intentional to get them across a generational span. And so having those younger alumni that you see a lot, but also having those folks you've not seen around for a while. And I really enjoyed that part too. Go ahead, Emily. Sorry. <laughs> and I'll just say that I think it's it's pushing some of the future work of the History and Archives Committee in particular because our because it resonated so well with everybody who attended to hear some of their their district's history. And so that's actually going to be a focus moving into future bienniums to get some more district history specifically. Um, and we heard that from the students at national convention. So it's, it's a really neat thing that everybody got to experience. And now it's pushing our work forward into the future. And I'm going to kind of tag Emily and Siobhan to talk about another aspect of the celebration, which was the special edition of the podium. I know it wasn't on our list before, but if you wanted just to talk a bit about what that process was like, kind of what the result was with the final product. So it started out being not a special edition podium, but you, Carolyn, do you remember what we were calling it for a while? <laughs> it was the Disney on Ice program. <laughs> <laughs> like a Disney on Ice, we wanted, yeah. <laughs> it was the only thing I could equate it to when I was trying to explain the concept of it to the other trustees and explain it to people, I could only think of calling it like a Disney on Ice program. <laughs> which it kind of ended up being. I think it's, you know, it's very visual and graphic. And uh, I think we all, we will say this probably multiple times during this call, but thank you, Robert Bratcher, our uh, national publications manager at national headquarters for making it look so beautiful. But that came out of a, a desire to have that ephemera, to have that kind of moment, almost an annual report, but something that wasn't an annual report. Um, and so, I mean, I think it was Siobhan and Lisa at one of the meetings, it was kind of, oh, well, we have this format already. We have the podium already. Why don't we use what we all love and what we all, you know, I have all my podiums stacked up right here because they're saved. Um, so, <laughs> so I think that's why we shifted to a podium model. And Siobhan can talk more about coming to fruition in a huge way. <laughs> Yes, that's the biggest lesson that I learned in 2019, 2020 was how to be a project manager. The whole biennium, like I worked with the regular history and archives committee, so I'll refer to them as H&A, and then the 75th history, as we affectionately called it, 75HC. Um, with it, it, you know, 
project managing both those committees in a way to, you know, the H&A committee were the people who were creating some of the content for it. Um, making, um, we had some of the individuals there doing research and interviewing people for some of our articles. Um, and then the 75HC group was the flow of good and, um, you know, did some editing on it as well to really push the publication forward. Um, I honestly, when Emily said, well, it first wasn't supposed to be a podium, I was exactly what I was going to say. I think at one point I was like, let's just make a podium, let's do this, let's go. Um, and I think that having each one of those articles in it, it talks about, um, you know, with individual highlights on, you know, our founder, Weba, and one of our beloved past national presidents, Janet West Miller. So we had articles that were written not just about who they were, but also about that their daughters wrote, um, because we at times know about the legacy and the work that somebody did, but actually seeing the perspective of them as, you know, mom, sister, friend is something that is um, oftentimes lost. Um, and you, I think adding in that human aspect into the publication was something that was really special. Um, and on top of that, we had features on um, the Beta Omicron chapter uh, telling the story of the founding of their chapter, um, which is the Beta Omicron is our first Black chapter um, at an HBCU that was installed and giving some more information about men in Tau Beta Sigma and the history of that and really trying to make this publication something that was like historical and I even and as I'm thinking about it, it's like we even those resources and things there are something that we can continue to build on and already resources that some of our members have been asking for um, over the past few years and so I think the committee really created and created a publication that maybe be that one special edition thing from the 75th but will be something that people will look back on um, for to learn and just thinking about how it got created too, I have to give massive kudos to Jen and Lisa and Sukar and Jason Drumbush. So all the members of the committee, but also Jen in particular, talking about subject matter expertise. Um, sometimes I think, you know, we don't always know what people do in their professional lives. So Jen was able to come in and help us with a lot of editing and just pushing it forward. And then Lisa, just with making sure that not just our early history, which she is a total expert in, but making sure that we're not just fact checking, but pushing the history forward. So it was, I have never been part of an effort where I felt like I was so supported as a member of the team. Um, and it was really amazing to see people use their subject matter expertise. That's incredible. And Emily, I know you mentioned Robert Bratcher at the start of um, your discussion. I'm actually going to be interviewing him for the podcast um, later this week. So we're going to take a deep dive into all the 75, uh, 75th designs and logos, and then kind of pick his brain about what his approach is and kind of his process. So I'm really excited for this because it's a world that I don't know at all. And I think is one that we all reference and use Robert's work all the time. So to get to learn a little bit more about him and how he makes it all come to life is something that I think we'll all really enjoy. So more props to Robert coming up. Uh, and then shifting gears a little bit to another aspect of the celebration um, is thinking about the pop-up shop. That was something really fun that came up and hopefully everyone got their swag. I definitely have a suitcase full of it. Um, so Carolyn and Adrian, and then anyone else who was a part of that process, um, feel free to jump in. Yeah. So the March is, is 
It was a fun adventure. Um, <laughs> we so the merch actually was was quite a long time in planning because you have to start planning. I think we started what two years out to plan what we needed. And Chris Foster was the chair of the merchandise committee, and he and and his committee sort of brainstormed through things and and came up with the initial offerings um, for the seventy fifth anniversary, but. I sort of took a different approach to it thinking what what would our donors like as well because we are a nonprofit organization and our organization stays afloat through donorships and and donations and so I thought what you know what would some of our alumni like would they like some other things and so we started to consider what um what it would look like to offer some maybe some things that admittedly were a little bit more expensive or maybe a little bit of a better quality that we had the things in mind for the students at the price points that they could afford, but also um, some things that that our alumni who have jobs and who might have a little bit of additional cash to to spend on goodies for the 75th might enjoy as well. So um, that's when we flipped over to that pop-up shop idea. And I uh, we ended up having the opportunity to work with a very uh, fantastic business in my hometown of Oswego. Uh, we utilized, we tried to tap as many small businesses as we could through the 75th, especially coming out of COVID. We know a lot of them struggled. Um, so I think unintentionally, intentionally, Adrian and I kind of set our sights on trying to um, to utilize as many small local businesses as we could um, for several things. And so I think the 75th pop-up shop was was a success. Um, I think everybody enjoyed it. And it went to, it was sort of an exclusive thing um, by design. It went to some of our life members. Well, it went to all life members and our, and our donors. And um, I think everybody really enjoyed it. And it was just kind of an extra special little touch that you got for, for you, your, as we say, your time, talents, and treasures that you, <laughs> you give to the organization. So it was fun. And some of our students may have ended up with a couple of exclusive items. Um, we raffled some off at national convention. So if they um, were the, you know, the raffle winners, they were able to get some, I think a backpack or a Yeti or camp mug. I think there were a couple things in there. And then we had a few, not very many extras. And so national headquarters staff, um, sold some of the extras off at the registration area. So maybe some of our students got some of those exclusive items too, that they can treasure and know, know that they are exclusives, that they won't be released to everybody. That's the real swag. That's right. That is the real swag. And I told you it was going to be really fascinating seeing how this elite group of individuals, so dynamic, how the team coming together um, was important and was very intentional, you know, of all of the, the personnel that it took to make this event happen. Um, each person played their part. And so very much, you know, all of us are from various chapters from across the United States. And I think that that's one of the first things you learn in a chapter is that everybody plays their part and everybody's part is important. Uh, so I told you it was going to be really fascinating seeing how the group would come together and, and then how all of their um, skill sets would bring together the vision. Yeah. And I think also something that really stood out to me from that section is that it wasn't just 
oh, let's have one or two people be decision makers, it was a full team. And then at different points in the development and celebration process, it was let's bring in other individuals. Let's help to make sure that the organization is able to actually celebrate in a streamlined way. So bringing in the national council members as team members on the committees also seemed like a great decision. And now we're going to see a bit more about how all of the vision and development and teamwork came into fruition going into the celebration in July. So what do you think, Erica? Want to keep going with the episode? Absolutely. Let's keep going. And then moving into the actual celebration on that Saturday in July, um, there's a lot that went into it. So we're kind of going to break this into three different parts. But I wanted to start off with Teresa to talk about the brunch, the role that you held, and kind of how that all came together. The donut wall, obviously. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Allison. Um, it was really an incredible journey. Um, the subcommittee got together and we, we really started out trying to consider what would be a wonderful celebration, but also keeping it appropriate because it's not a centennial. Coming off of the brother centennial being so grand and just, you know, really a, a well-planned and robust celebration, we wanted to do the same for Tabi to Sigma, but we wanted it to be something that would be appropriate for a 75th anniversary and something that when the centennial comes along, you know, we're able to do something on the scale of Cap Kappa Psi centennial celebration or, you know, whatever that turns out to be. I hope many of us are involved in that as well when it when it comes comes in 25 years. So the, the subcommittee, of course, was led um, with Jen. Um, giving us the best guidance, and it was it was just wonderful to have so many individuals. Uh, many of us were strangers when we first got together, but we're lifelong friends now. We've had a wonderful time just talking through what we would like the celebration to look like. It didn't start as a brunch, but we're really glad that's how it ended up. And that really came about by keeping in mind the timing and being very considerate and sensitive to the fact that folks would want to fly out of Grand Rapids probably earlier rather than later. So we wanted to make sure that we were able to help attendees manage that time. So, so the brunch idea really came out of that uh, wish to get as many attendees as we could in that morning time frame so that people could have flights later in the afternoon and not feel like they had to spend an entire extra day in Grand Rapids. So that was that was the, the great um, consideration that came out of the national leadership's recommendation. And it, it was just it, it worked out so well. And the theme, of course, our 1946 theme was just an inspired theme from the committee. And we had a lot of fun with that. Um, we wanted to take it to that 1946 theme really from the beginning and had a really great time brainstorming and talking about all different ways that we could show off this 1946 vintage theme. And I think we pulled it off. Um, it was really, really fun. And it was fun to see everyone um, show up in their 1946 or, or 1940s themed outfits. That was, that was really fun to see. And all of the decor and uh, the music, I think we, we were so excited for the music and we got a little bit of it in there. We had a little snafu with the with the um, the music at the brunch, but it was there. So we were excited to, to have it all come together and uh, the program worked out beautifully. It was it was just wonderful. It was a really fun experience and can't thank Jen enough for her guidance and leadership there. Um, but the committee was just 
it was incredible. We had such a great creative committee. So I'm very thankful for, for their creativity and everything that they brought to the celebration. It was, it was perfect. Allison, you, you mentioned the donut wall, and I feel like we would be remiss to actually address that. But if you look back, um, if you look back at pictures of our 25th anniversary and our 50th anniversary, they had some pretty intense cakes, like multi-layered, very tall, like four foot cakes. They were intense, right? And so as we were, we were looking at this picture and these pictures and we were looking at what our options were for brunch, like, does it make sense to have a four foot cake <laughs> brunch? Um, and actually that Amway Grand where our celebration was held had a donut wall um, on their catering offerings. And Adrian and I got probably a little overexcited about the donut wall, but we thought it would just be a really cool addition. And not many people have seen a donut wall before. Um, and we had the opportunity to brand it, which again, Robert Brecher did the, the art for the for the branding of the donut wall. And it just, we, we felt that it would just be that little added touch that people would be like, there was this really awesome donut wall. Um, and, and and sort of fulfill that, you know, multiple tiered cake that, that, you know, for brunch might not make sense, but um, it just, it was just one of those added cool little touches that we thought would be super fun for the day. And the donuts were delicious. Everyone enjoyed the donuts. I was enjoying some donuts with Carolyn's girls and we were having a great time. But the, but the fun thing was, was, if, you know, I think, I think the timing of our event was so just, it was magical in between like different COVID waves. But the one thing I think I got the biggest giggle out of was if people couldn't self-serve, you know, because of COVID restrictions, we were actually going to have a donut butler who was going to individually take the donuts off of the wall and put them on the plate for you. So, I mean, you know, it's a little shame we didn't have the donut butler, but maybe if it would have been timing where we would have needed the donut butler, we may not have had donuts at all. So um, I think we just hit that magical timing that, you know, we didn't need the donut butler. But the fact that there's even this idea of a donut butler, just I, I just get a giggle out of. Yeah, the Amway Grand was ready to serve. They were ready to help us out with whatever we needed. Um, I think it's important to thank the Tau Beta Sigma Alumni Association for sponsoring that donut wall for us and making Carolyn and my dreams come true because we were rather insistent um, on having that special donut wall since the cake didn't make much sense. Moving forward with the brunch, because we all started off entering into the regular brunch and food setting, having the beautiful decor, and also checking out everyone's outfits as Teresa was talking about. It was really fun to dress up in the 1940s style. Like, I think we should always have themed <laughs> events. It was really fun. Um, but then moving into more of the, the ceremony portion and the speakers, um, and I feel like Adrian's probably the best person to go to for this discussion to talk about how that was put together, or maybe Jen as well. Um, and what that kind of looked like in development and then how it worked out. Do you mind if I start off with something here in this part? I just think, you know, again, we keep referencing back to the KK Sci Centennial. And, you know, they were very fortunate to be able to have their celebration in Stillwater where the fraternity was found was founded. And 
there was a lot of consideration just where this national convention was held. And, you know, the fact that we were, we had this event in Grand Rapids, which really, I mean, there are very strong chapters in the state of Michigan, but there's not a lot of sorority founding in Grand Rapids. So I think kind of going into this next section in terms of ceremony, and as we get into the display piece as well, I think it's just very important to realize um, as we were planning these events, we were trying to do many, many things to bring Lubbock and Stillwater into Michigan. Like how can we bring our founding places, our key places in our history to Grand Rapids? So I'm gonna pause there and just, but as we kind of frame up this next section, kind of, kind of think about that perspective there. Absolutely. And it, and it was a challenge for us to do that. I think each committee that was assisting with, with these parts of, of the um, 75th experience were challenged to think outside the box on how we could bring pieces of home, quote unquote, to Grand Rapids with us without going, again, overboard because it is our 75th and not our 100th. Um, when it came to the ceremony itself, we wanted to make sure that we had the Founders Day ceremony and that the National Council was able to read it. But it was also important for us to hear other national, national leadership team voices in that moment. And that's where the idea came to have the Tabeta Sigma Alumni Association Executive Council and our Board of Trustees members for the 2019-2021 biennium um, speak the eight and five at that portion of the Founders Day ceremony because we, we all worked so hard together over the biennium um, through a lot of good times, a lot of weird times and some icky times. And we wanted to just have that moment for everyone to be recognized in their leadership role. Um, we also wanted to extend um, you know, a hand to our, our brothers, to Kappa Kappa Psi, because we wouldn't be here without them. Um, we wouldn't look the same without them. Our history would be different. You know, all of those pieces um, that tie us together as organizations, we wanted to make sure that we extended an opportunity for them to be a part of the programming as well. Um, so that's where the idea came for Marco Krasadovic, who was the 2019-2021 National President for Kappa Kappa Psi, and Jessica Lee, who is the 2021-2023 National President for Kappa Kappa Psi, for them to be able to speak. Um, then it was, it was kind of going back to those pillars and how do we find the right speakers to talk about, um, you know, foundations, which is where we pulled Lisa in and we were able to have, um, Weva's daughter, Sandra, join us as well. Um, how do we talk about fortitude and our past? And that's um, where Carolyn and Chris Foster took the lead and talked about our past fortitudes and what brought us to today. And then where I was able to talk about this biennium and our fortitudes and our achievements a little bit. Um, we brought Marco in at that point of the conversation as well to talk about the achievement of our partnership with Kappa Kappa Psi and their commitment to be great partners with us moving forward and for us to be great partners with them moving forward. And then bringing in Erica and Jessica to kind of take that leap further into legacy and talk about the future. Um, so it was really important for us to have all those touchstones. Um, and I'm sure that there are so many people that we would have loved to hear from, but we also knew that we didn't want to be sitting there for hours on end. 
um, and that we had to be out of the room by one o'clock because there was an event there later that evening. <laughs> so throughout the national convention process and, and honorary ceremonies and whatnot, I got a chance to talk with Emily Blaze, who wrote the affirmation. And she posted on social media after national convention, just how, I mean, she, she wrote the affirmation out of a place where she wanted a song that represented her sorority experience that, you know, just, it was, she wanted something that was special and, and meaningful to her and just reading her recollection of being in the brunch room and hearing everybody sing the affirmation and like the, the SATB of it and, and everything was just, it's just, it was so, so powerful to have that unity and those voices at the end. I don't, I don't know about anybody else who was maybe up on the stage. Um, Jen, Lisa, it, it almost felt surreal that it was happening given, given the, the biennium that we had given all of the things that um, you know, the times where we didn't know if we were going to be able to be together for a brunch, if we were going to be able to have a national convention to, it just kind of felt like I was on a cloud that whole time, um, during the ceremony, during the singing, all of it, because it was actually happening and it was there and it was real and you could feel all of the love and the hope in the room, which was just amazing. Yeah. I was like 60 days out. I feel like a lot of us didn't even know this thing was going to happen. And so I appreciate that the brunch was, it wasn't like action pack and overstimulating and everything. It was a good time to just come together, reflect, eat a donut and um, learn about some history. And um, it was, I, you know, really appreciate that we could even be in a room together. Um, I did not cry on, at the 75th brunch. I, cried all my tears before convention started, but it was, um, it was, I, you know, felt like peace. It was peaceful to be able to experience that. And for the hard work that everybody has been doing over the past year to become, be able to come together and celebrate was something really special. I did want to transition into what Carolyn first mentioned um, was the history displays. So we have three key people as part of our history team for the 75th celebration. Um, so for Emily, Siobhan, and Lisa, if you want to talk about the development of the history displays, um, what the experience was like seeing people see the results of all of your work, and then for everyone else maybe chiming in toward the end with kind of what your experience was as a viewer and as a participant within the displays. I'll just start by saying I'm amazed we got there because Lisa, I don't know if you remember our first, and Jen was there too, our first like history subcommittee meeting was just like, it was kind of like we were talking about the feels, right? Like it was like, everyone was just like, we love TBS and we love history and it's going to happen. And I was like, I don't know what they mean it's going to happen because like they just, Sue and Jason and Lisa and Jenemy were just like, yeah. And then we didn't have anything tangible that we were, we were thinking of in that moment. And so the fact that we actually had the text that was written, the design that was displayed, the objects and the ephemera and the archival materials actually all there on that day in a way that made sense is, it's kind of miraculous. <laughs> and it's thanks to actually everybody in this call and many others too. Um, but I it did start with talking with Adrian about kind of what's the big idea and that's how actually fun spoiler fact all museum exhibits should start that way what's your big idea right what's your takeaway and we wanted it to be reflective on our past but also looking towards the future 
And so that's where those big four words came in. We had our themes. And from there, it was also, I think, thinking about that we didn't just want to focus on the founding moment, that that is really, really critical. And we, I think we did a good job displaying that. But we really wanted to celebrate a lot of other pieces. And Lisa, I don't know if you want to chime in with some of the other pieces that you were interested in exploring and having pop out um, and how we kind of worked through that too. Right. 75 years is a lot of time. <laughs> so we were not the organization we were in 1946. And we're definitely not going to be the organization we are now in 25, 50, 100 more years. So just seeing the dynamics of all of that and how we struggled and, you know, there were even bad times and we didn't bring all of that out, but, you know, we were the, we've always been the underdog, you know, so yes, they brought us in, but we were always under the thumb of um, big brother and shadow and, uh, couldn't really think for ourselves and we were given our roles and given our content. And so seeing that evolve over the years, thanks to, you know, people like Patsy and Janet and bringing that all up into, it was literally almost 25, 30 years and Ladine and all of them before they actually became a voice up for themselves. And um, we always, well, up until the early 2000s, always had a problem with money and, you know, struggled a lot with that because we were paying half costs with not as many people and everything was being shared uh, equally. And we were um, doing our part in contributing to all this. So until the early 2000s, when we could become independent and see ourselves in the black, and then based on some great investments and a great investment board team back then, I mean, we're better shaped now than we have ever been. <laughs> and it's just awesome to see all of that grow. And when we say legacy too, um, we've had so many people come through this organization that aren't necessarily just past presidents, but have shaped the organization as well and have um, given a lot of their time, talents, <laughs> um, energy, efforts, <laughs> whatever they can. And so as much as we could focus on those people as well and just highlighting everyone and how we've come together and then how we grew as in the difference of uh, bringing in the HBCUs and how that become welcoming and you know where the diversity started coming in when men were included in. And there's actually been lots of talk of merger in the early places, but we have prevailed under that. So just all of the aspects that we have come so far and have done so much in, um, setting our own examples and forging our own trails and our own fortitude. <laughs> that's, that's just what we wanted to bring into all of this other than yes, just the original history, because even that was beset with many obstacles, you know, in that seven years and um, 
we are even a different organization. We were founded as a different organization than we started. <laughs> so we were supposed to be an auxiliary of Cap Kappa Psi. And here we are, and just based on other people than just, you know, A. Frank Martin and his fortitude within changing that. So it wasn't always just the members that you learn to memorize, but there's other people out there too. And I think speaking to that, like professionalization and that pushing things forward, that was something that Siobhan, because like it was mentioned before, we had kind of our national council members come in a, a little bit after we got started. And Siobhan, really, I think you pushed us to think about the professionalization that Lisa was mentioning and to think about how to pull it together with um, threading diversity as a kind of values throughout the entire exhibit as well. Um, the other thing that I know that Siobhan was very keen on and I was very keen on too was making sure it wasn't just the things on display, but that there was ways for members to interact with it. Yes. Um, that was really key. <laughs> well, and even your displays, the displays you guys created are not just for our anniversary. We can use those so much in, in so many different aspects and recruiting and everything I want to put it up in the station every day so I can look at it every day. <laughs> so <laughs> those are not branded necessarily to that fact, but we can utilize those on so many different levels. And um, yes, the interactive things here and there, uh, your own reflections and your own um, goals that even our, our members, their struggles through four years, how they've changed from coming in at the beginning and graduating and then even as alumni, um, they're a totally different person and the organization was a totally different person for that. So that was awesome how you guys did all that. I think that the displays, they were they were definitely, like I remember like this time, you know, it's August, 2020 and like Emily and I were on calls and we're just like, this is gonna be so great. And then now a year later and um, you know, it's, we worked really hard for it to happen and it turned out really well. And like Lisa said, we really did it by design, making sure that even the wording that was used in most of the displays were not specific to, you know, 2019, 2021 biennium or 75th. Um, Cause, and we've already got plans to take them to district conventions for history displays or to TMEA or Midwest clinic, because, um, you know, I think that something that has been been a challenge and opportunity for us really has been to really share the history that we have outside of the people who may have been in the room where it happened or the people on the history committee you know who've done the research to find it type of deal and I think that um, the displays was kind of that first step to showing some of the that nitty-gritty and um, I'll use Lisa's term that she uses all, all the time you know giving us the license to snoop um, and on history uh, of the sorority so that we can create the 26 displays and what is it, five or six activities um, accompanied with artifacts with each one of the set of displays um, as a great snapshot of the first 75 years. Um, of course, there's so many things in between each display that we could talk about, but I think it gets people's like wheels turning. like oh, but what about this? Which is a great question in which it prompts us to keep searching and find that information. Um, I think that 
with the displays, we, we also really collaborated with some other people on it. We, of course, the History and Archives Committee, you know, some of our, our kind of our, theory, our theme and the way we did things was like H&A, they may have created stuff for the publication that we made, but some of that was also used in creating displays. Um, and then we even connected with the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Accessibility Committee to really help us to flesh out our fortitude section, um, specifically our displays on gender diversity and HBCUs, um, which I think those are my two favorite set of, the fortitude was my favorite set of displays because, you know, like Lisa said, you know, we're a completely different organization than we were when we were founded. Um, and the fortitude kind of, puts it all in perspective, like we went through some things, you know, the things we snooped through over the past two years, like the sorority went through things um, between 1939 and, and 2021. But, um, you know, looking at it, continuing after that, we get to see our, how we are celebrating where we've come from and the legacy that we have built on um, that we can take with us. Um, but I, the one thing, but the Fortitude display, specifically the HBCU one, my that was one of my favorite ones. We got some sisters who went to HBCUs to help it, help create it. Um, and one thing they put in the verbiage of it was talking about, you know, real talk about the past, you know, like members of HBCUs don't always feel valued and cared for. But I think that us having that part in there shows the truth about Tall Beta Sigma. Like our history is not all like sorority squat and wearing the same t-shirt. It's about the hard things that we've gone through. Um, and we went through some fortitude putting those displays together um, and getting them to the printer on time and everything. But, you know, we've come out with a great product and um, an organization that keeps moving forward um, regardless of the obstacles that are in front of us. Another part of all of that, which hasn't really been brought up, but the communications committee then had the 75 fun facts. So everybody kind of had a group Google form or whatever, where they could throw in all of these facts that they knew of. And so they could highlight that on our social media was it once a week. So the Tau Beta Sigma fun facts. So at least those were getting out there for a year or so and getting that information, um, getting everybody hyped up and seeing some of that ahead of time and leading up to convention and social media uh, team or communications team and Leslie, they did a great job with all of their social media, highlighting chapters, highlighting the facts, highlighting awards, highlighting everything. So that was wonderful. Just kind of hearkening back to the displays, one thing that just struck me once it was all said and done, um, you know, you you hear the names Weva and you hear the names Janet Westmiller and you hear the stories of past national presidents not being able to make it to national conventions in the 1950s. And you're like, well, gee, why would you make that commitment if you weren't going to go to a national convention? It's like, well, they were wives and mothers, you know, back in the 50s and they couldn't travel like that. And it's just, it's so... Yeah, I've been in Oregon. I've been in Tau Beta Sigma since 1993, and I've, you know, studied the history over the years and whatnot. But it was really this biennium and like listening to some of our speakers and listening to some of our presentations and taking that license to snoop. It's just, it's so, it, it's just very real how our history has evolved in line with the way women have evolved professionally. You know, we started around the time that Rosie was going into the factory and, and, and being Rosie the Riveter and then told to go home. 
And, you know, and the women said, no, we're, we're not going to go home. And it's just, you know, we've persevered. We've had struggles, you know, sometimes in those struggles, there's ugliness, but you emerge stronger from those struggles as well. And I just think that real talk that was put forth in our displays, I just, I, I am so very hopeful that by bringing that reality of where we've been will help us become even stronger as an organization going forward. Because, you know, I, I look at some of the people on this call, I look at like the Lisa's and the Carolyn's who have been in the organization for 20 and 25 years and have seen some, you know, we've seen our own personal ugliness throughout like the 90s and the early 2000s. And it's just, I, I am so hopeful having been a part of this that, you know, there will always be a struggle and there will always be conflict. But I just, I think by recognizing where we've been and what we've overcome, that we have the fortitude to continue to overcome it, whatever ugliness comes our way or whatever struggle comes our way going forward. So the last activity within the displays is within the legacy section. And it it prompts our members who attended to, to reflect on who they, like themselves and where they want to go. And it literally said, you know, you are the legacy of Tau Beta Sigma. It had a mirror for people to see themselves. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it was a great ending to the display, seeing where we've come from and seeing themselves as the future of Tau Beta Sigma, which I think is really important for our members to see, especially our students, you know, thinking of a, a newly initiated sister, seeing themselves as part of the history and a legacy of the organization. Um, and I'm glad that the, the displays were, we were able, it, even though it was just a small thing, no active thing that was part of it, a nice reflective activity for people to take with them as they finished up looking at, you know, the artifacts and, um, you know, the displays and learning a little bit and mingling with other members there, but being able to take that um, that ideal with them as they continue on their path in Tau the Sigma. I think that's a perfect way for us to kind of transition toward the end of our conversation and thinking about what each of your individual reflections are. Um, if you wanted to have it be multiple parts, fair game, because um, I know there may be a reflection on process and your participation as a leader in um, planning and developing this celebration, but also as um, an attendee and as a sister and what this felt like to be a part of. I will openly admit that I lost it at the end. <laughs> I don't know. There are not a lot of people that have seen Carolyn Ugly cry and Carolyn Ugly cried at the end. We were singing um, and I was up on the stage so I could see everybody from my viewpoint. Um, and we, we we sang the Kappa Kappa Psi hymn and I admittedly saw Debbie Baker well up a little bit and that just floodgates opened. Um, and especially for me, it was so, personally, it was so very special because that that was the last thing in, in my leadership career for Tau Beta Sigma. And it was so impactful. Um, and, and it was the best moment to go out on. And you stand in that room and everybody's singing and there's so much love and respect and admiration in that room. And it, we, we just started singing and I just, I was done. <laughs> so, um, and, I, and I really do think that speaks to, to what this organization can give you and the opportunities that, that are available in this organization if you decide to take advantage of them and um, 
seize them and take them wherever it may lead you um, because it, it can get you to those just magical moments. Um, and it's something I will never, ever forget. It will, it will forever be, you know, those top moments of the organization and just knowing the time and the planning and just everybody's work. And I know, you know, we hit those bumps where it was just frustrating, but it was so worth it in the end. And you got there and you saw everything come together. And those displays were a labor of love, but they were beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And I, um, they, everybody, especially Siobhan and Robert and, and everybody that had a hand in them just did such a great job, but everything coming together, you know, you got to that last moment and I, and it totally just whacked me in the face, <laughs> me in the face. Um, but it was, uh, it was just so great. So great. One of my favorite aspects about this whole process too, was again, as Carolyn said, kind of being a part of every little pieces, even though I didn't have a major role in a lot of pieces, but just being able to reflect. But the time capsule was my favorite. I got to be a part of that at the 50 year um, anniversary in, in the whole ceremony, burial ceremony of that. So making sure that that was done right in this 75th just meant the world to me. And I appreciate that the council and everyone let me be a part of that. So as, as I've got to say, I was the last one to close the door before it went under. And then I was the first one to get to open the box. And so just being there and opening the box and going through all the documents and we have thoroughly documented all the pictures that will be at some point put together in a um, slideshow that will be available as well. And having the docu or having the items there, I know everything didn't make it through the 25 years, but the majority of it did, and which was awesome. And, and uh, then being a part of the actual Founders Day stuff at Texas Tech University, I know we didn't get to have convention there, where we could have shared that day with everyone, but being a part of a small delegation that was there and having a um, live ceremony from the shrine. And then just that whole day of uh, where Siobhan's beautiful time capsule video and then the Founders Day ceremony and all the tidbits that day, it made that day really special. and. And then, of course, I can't top Carolyn's <laughs> recollection of because I was ugly crying right there with her <laughs> and standing there looking over the aspect. And then like, yeah, when Karen Miller Hammond brought her mother's purse and <laughs> set it there, that just made us all go <laughs> to whatever, because knowing that Weva was there and knowing that Janet was there and Patsy was there and that they would have approved of all of this. That was my favorite part. I think also I'll jump in and Lisa mentioned something that we've not even talked about. And that was the whole day of events we had on Founders Day itself. Um, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed is that we really did. We were very mindful about weaving our 75th into the entire 
year leading up to our actual uh, national convention. So we had that moment on our actual Founders Day on March 26th in Lubbock, and we have those pieces woven into our district conventions, and we have those 75 facts throughout our social media pushes throughout the year. Um, I just think that buildup. I think we we were we were so purposeful in in incorporating all those events throughout the year, and I really enjoyed that because I think it gave everybody the opportunity to engage and participate in different points along the year, and and they could engage how they wanted to, um, and and gave everybody a chance to. As I've told lots of people, this wasn't a this wasn't a celebration for just us. It was a celebration for the thousands of sisters um, that have been in, in Tau Beta Sigma. So I think having those multiple moments throughout the year really gave all of those sisters the opportunity to do so if they wanted to. I'm glad you brought up the thousands of people because that's who I tried to keep into my in my brain through all of this work. Um, was that you know. Uh, spoiler alert, all of us on this call are really good friends, um, but and we're, but we're not just doing it for each other, right? We're doing it for people who are friends who are not on this call, and then all of those people are friends with other people, and then you all have your relationships with each other, and we'll have future relationships with people in different chapters and different districts. So I think that that's what I tried to keep in mind is all of the networks of relationships and how in my mind, it's our history that connects us all. It's our history and it's our ritual, which is part of our history. So just reflecting on it, you know, how do we bring that to everyone who is attending? But I think that the next goal is also how to bring that to everyone moving forward, you know, prospective members who aren't even, you know, prospective members are in college yet. So this really, this biennium and this work of the 75th committee, all of the 75th committee, I think really laid the groundwork for people to understand Tau Beta Sigma, which is a really powerful thing to be a part of. And I wasn't sure if I was actually going to get to go to national convention at all. And I made the choice to go for 27 hours, which I think is one of the best decisions I could have ever made because people watching people experience the history displays, watching people give each other fist bumps or hugs, you know, sitting next to Chelsea Raising, who wrote the Founders Day ceremony, you know, during it happening. Those are things that I'll never forget. And that leads to springboarding moments for people in the future. So watching people, you know, like Siobhan said, one of my favorite activities was people looking at themselves in the mirror, reflecting on their place in TBS. And I did it too. And I hope that, you know, maybe after the Zoom call, you wanna look in a mirror and think about your place in TBS and then realize like you're part of this network and this web. And that was why we did all that we did. I'll kind of touch a little bit on that as well. And um, just to, to Emily's point, point and to Carolyn's as well, it, it was it was it was impossible for us to imagine when we embarked on this journey what every component of the celebration would mean to different sisters but it was it was awesome to see how that all came together and you know you you walked through the displays and i really enjoyed seeing those displays i i didn't know what to expect because i'd heard about them and kind of was like peripherally in, involved and didn't really know what to what I was getting myself into on the day of and um, Jen said wait till you see this, these displays you're gonna it's they're gonna knock your socks off and she was right. Just seeing those come to life and seeing the social media push and all of the collateral that came together that really just was created out of nothing 
And to see how that touched different sisters in different ways and brothers in different ways, it was it was just really meaningful and just an awesome, awesome experience to be part of. So it was it was great. It was a, a wonderful, wonderful joy in the last 18 months. <laughs> if I can just impart anything on our active members, you know, most of us, you know, all of us on this call, you know, we were, you know, we were in your shoes, you know. 10, 15, 25 years ago. Um, I, I, I laughed with one of my, my candidate class sisters after the 75th anniversary was over because when I was a candidate, um, I was dubbed the super candidate because, you know, the, my, the, my fellow candidates made fun of me because they're like, Jen, when you're in your 30s and your 40s, you're still going to be doing TBS stuff. And I'm like, oh, God, no, I'm not going to be doing TBS stuff. And here I am, you know, 1993, 2021, here I am 28 years later, still doing TBS stuff. Um, and, you know, my first district convention, somebody in my class, somebody in my chapter said, you know, we have so many wonderful members in our chapter you know, there should be somebody on the district council. And that was like my spark to say, okay, you know what? That person on district council from our chapter is going to be me, you know, and I'm just going to take that opportunity and, and, and put myself out there. And that sprung boarded to going to, I was a district officer and I went to my first national convention, which happened to be our 50th anniversary celebration in Orlando. And, you know, talking to our national officers at that meeting, walking up to Wava and saying, hi, you know, it's such an honor to meet you and, and, and having a photo with Wava. But I mean, you know, and never in my wildest dreams, you know, leaving Orlando in 1995 and leaving district officership, you know, after I served in 1996, did I ever dream that I would be a part of a 75th anniversary celebration? I mean, you know, so I just, I really hope you know, if, if you were at national convention, you know, you had that opportunity to feel that spark and that love of sisterhood all over the nation, or, or hopefully, you know, listening to our voices today and just the love and the passion that each of us have has for Tau Beta Sigma. I mean, I just, I hope that, you know, maybe one of you listening to this podcast, you know, can say, God, you know, this organization has given me a lot the last two or three years, and I want to continue to serve it. And I can't wait to be a part of our centennial committee because, you know, as a, as a sister, as a brother in Tau Beta Sigma, any one of you has the fortitude, has the talent has something to give that can conti that continues to contribute to our legacy and that will help us get to our centennial and then even beyond from there. Looking back over the last two years of, of planning and execution of all the 75th events, um, there's a lot of moments that stick out, but I think the overall like thread and theme between them is watching our, our volunteer leaders, our, you know, our committee members all the way up through, um, you know, our national leadership team members continuously strive to make the best out of what was going on at the time and to make every experience meaningful and purposeful and with the students in mind, which was all that I think we ever really wanted was what what can we do in this moment, no matter what the other circumstances are going on to make it a positive experience for, for the students and for our alumni members and our life members and, and our honorary members, you know, how can we make this great for our students first? And then how can we make it great for all of us who 
who once were students or who somehow have a connection to Tau Beta Sigma. And I, I was just continually impressed by everyone's devotion to that theme, to everyone's love for one another, and to, I think, the growth that we ended up experiencing coming out of all of those situations. You know, we, we had to be very flexible in a lot of planning. We had to pivot in a lot of certain, you know, areas, district conventions, the day of celebration on March 26th in Lubbock, how we wanted to to do the brunch and could we do it that way or not do it that way? Um, you know, how getting the displays printed because materials were taking longer to print displays, you know, all of those different pieces of the puzzle and no one ever threw their hands up in the air and said, I give up. I, we can't do this. No one ever said, this is, this is just, you know, ridiculous. We can't make this happen. It's, it's too much. We all just kind of dug in and I think reverted to our band kid ways. So to reflect on what Jen um, has talked about, if you are an active member right now, listening to this, like this could be you someday because deep down, we're all still those band kids. We're all still the ones who, who are, you know, digging in when things get hard and saying, okay, we got this, we can help. Like, let's make this happen in the best way possible. And so I am just in awe of, of every single person who contributed to the 75th and how much of themselves they gave to make it all happen from the social media posts to you know, all of the media things that went out otherwise to all of the planning and preparation work for the brunch to all of our history and archives displays to those who were able to travel to Lubbock to have that small gathering so that we could share Lubbock with everyone on the day of um, to our national leadership team members who continuously supported every effort that we were doing, even if they weren't involved in the day-to-day. Some of our board members, some of our TBSA members weren't sitting on committees, but they still supported everybody who was a part of those committees and gave, you know, all of their love and respect to those people when they needed it most. And so I, if there's one thing that I can take away and, and even in part, to others moving forward in any obstacles that may come up in the future. It's surround yourself with great people. And we have great people in this organization who are willing to always uplift and help each other and make things happen for others, even if they may not even know those people. All right. Well, I want to thank all of you um, for taking the time to speak with me this evening. I know we're running toward the end of our scheduled recording time. I learned a lot today. I hope that the listeners of the podcast not only learned a bit more about our history, about the celebration and the behind the scenes of what it took to make it happen, but also were inspired so that they can participate in the future. And I think that every single one of you is a great example to look up to um, for how to get things done, for how to be a great sister, how to be a great friend and how to be a great leader. So I think that you've each set the organization up for great success moving forward. And indeed they have. What an adventure this has been just like listening to and and reminiscing back on the great times that we had in Grand Rapids and seeing how it all came together. Um, they really have set us up. And I gotta tell you, 25 years from now when we're celebrating 100 years, they are going to have very large shoes to fill whoever uh, that committee ends up being. And that's actually kind of one of my, my main takeaways. I know, you know, we, 
when you listen to podcasts, you, you always hopefully have something that you want to reflect back on and think about and what you got out of it, much like reading a book, like what did you get out of reading the text and that kind of thing. And one of the things that um, has spoken to me is the idea that, you know, every time the sorority has these milestone anniversaries, there's a whole nother set of people just like the ones that we've had the pleasure of listening to on this podcast um, that they get to say uniquely that they were the committee that put together the celebration for the 75th Diamond Jubilee. Just like there's a group of people who are uniquely um, equipped to be able to say that they put together the 50th and they put together the 25th. Um, and, you know, early on in the podcast, they talked a little bit about, you know, people who coming together who didn't really necessarily know each other, but now they share this one unique thing is that they got to leave their fingerprints um, in the legacy of the national organization by helping to put together our, our 75th anniversary. So that's one major takeaway that, that I'm having so far. Um, Allison, what are some of your takeaways that, that you've got? Well, as I was listening back on the episode, and even while we were recording it, there were a couple of words that stood out to me that were shared over and over again by these leaders. So some of them included inclusivity, thoughtfulness, growth, reflection, real talk, being student-centered and student-first, and being intentional, and of course, fortitude. And what I find really interesting and special about that is that those are values that we each hold as members of Tau Beta Sigma and things that I think the national organization strives to live out in our lives and in our actions. So it's not even just that we say we want to work toward those things, but it's also how we celebrate. So those ideas, those words are just ingrained in what it means to be a part of our organization. And I think that that also calls back to what a great team, as you were saying, was put together for the celebration and what a great example of sisters that sisters and brothers that made up this team. So that really stood out to me during the discussion as well. And then something else I thought about is this idea of home. So Jen had mentioned that one of the aims was to bring a bit of Stillwater and a bit of Lubbock to Grand Rapids, that bit of home. And I think that it wasn't just about the items that were brought together, but also that this was the first time that sisters were able to come together in person in a biennium. So I always think of Tau Beta Sigma as a type of home and my sisters as a type of home. So even just us all coming together for the event was bringing a new aspect of home to the celebration. And then we all got to bring that piece of home with us to our physical homes, wherever they may be across the nation. So that idea of bringing home with us, we're always doing that as members of Tau Beta Sigma and the celebration just added on to what home means, at least to me. What about you? What else stood out? Absolutely. I think the way that we ended the brunch was very, um, it was just amazing punctuation to just an interesting two years that we, we spent together. And so for those of you who, you know, who are our listeners that, you know, you, if you're like me and you binge watch things on Netflix and Hulu and whatever your respective streaming services, I felt like in that moment, you know, Adrian talked a little bit about the moment of standing on the stage, which I, you know, got to be one of the individuals standing on the stage, watching everyone um, as we sang. And a little fun fact about that is that was actually not, here we go, director's cut, I'm going behind the scenes. <laughs> um, 
the song was actually us singing the affirmation at the end was not something that was planned um, because of the restrictions that we felt that we had to abide by with COVID-19. Um, we weren't sure how to do that safely. And a student actually came up and asked, you know, is this something that we can do? We look forward to this. This is probably the first time, this is the first time that we'll get a chance to sing together um, with a group of sisters and much less, you know, with all the historical people in the room. It's something we were looking forward to. And please, 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 if you can, can we make that happen? And honestly, I am so glad that that student reached out and asked for us to do that because, um, you know, you talked a little bit about home and, and I, I often have felt, and I'm Feel like many sisters around the nation you know when you get to, to circle up which of course here we didn't really get to do that because again we had to socially distance as much as we could we couldn't even touch a lot of times we link up or we put our arms around each other and we didn't really do that and yet even though that we didn't get to do those traditional things that we do and we sing any of our songs much less the affirmation we still were connected and so standing on the stage and feeling that vibration of everyone singing and, and feeling it from the back of the room to the front of the room. Um, and for me on a personal level, that was the first time that my biological family, they were in the room, um, could see and feel this thing that I devote so much time to and that I sometimes miss birthdays and anniversaries for because I have to be somewhere you know, in the service of the national organization. And so on a personal level for me, that meant a lot because they walked away understanding why this organization means so much to me. Um, and for us to have that moment together and for some people, that was the first time that they had sung in a while together with other sisters because of all the things that we dealt with over the last two years. So I think that was the perfect punctuation. And I'm so glad that that student reached out and asked us to do that. Like they challenged us to to do something great for the organization and so that just speaks volumes to who we are as a national organization who we have been for the last 75 years and you know again kind of echoing you know adrian's talk about um the idea that we weren't even sure that it would make it to that and so kind of going back to what i was saying where it's almost felt like th that punctuation was kind of like this was the grand finale or the the, the final finale um, series finale, if you will, the last two years. So Adrian's last two years as the national president. And if this were, you know, something that had been like video recorded in that regard, and it was like that, it would be that moment where you're seeing all these flashbacks to all the craziness of 2019 and 2020, especially 2020. Um, and you'd see all those moments where we really needed to come together as a national organization. And then there'd just be a snap and the snap would be that moment where we were all together singing our songs as loud as we could through masks um, and doing it together. Like there was just not a better way for us to have ended um, the last two years and to end our 75th celebration. It was perfect. Just the stars aligned so perfectly in that regard. So that was a huge takeaway for me is the idea that um, that we were able to end it in such a significant way and that 
you know, we talk about being a student-centered organization and that students were the ones who brought this great idea to us and we went with it and it was perfect. We were like, man, we should have had you plan the whole 75th, you know, <laughs> you know at the end of it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great moment, so. It was. And well, I want to thank you for taking the time to be my co-host for this episode. And I know I'll definitely bring you back onto future podcast episodes. That's a guarantee. I'd also like to thank Adrian, Carolyn, Jen, Lisa, Siobhan, Emily, and Teresa for joining me on the podcast. And also for all of their hard work with the 75th celebration. And that extends not just from them as a leadership team, but to everyone who participated on those committees and to also everyone who attended to make that event and that celebration so special for all of us. So I know we're all looking forward to the next 25 years, but that next centennial committee, they have a lot to live up to and I'm sure they'll rise to the occasion. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to listen to more, you can always find us on Anchor FM and wherever you're currently listening. Be sure to subscribe to the For Greater Knowledge podcast and give us a like while you're there. Well, I'm Allison. And I'm Erica. This is the For Greater Knowledge podcast, and we're all working for greater bands. It was fun. It was cool. Let's do it again in 25 years.